Todd Parr, the Don't Worry book, Little Brown Books for Young Readers. Welcome to The Yarn, a school library journal production. I'm Colby Sharp. If you have young children, there's a good chance you have read one of Todd Parr's books dozens of times. His unforgettable illustrations and the timeless messages one takes from his books make them favorites of readers, both young and old. I sat down with Todd in Austin, Texas at the Texas Library Association's annual conference to talk about the Don't Worry book. In today's episode, Todd talks about how he became a children's book author, how he stays ahead of the world, and what it was like not fitting in as a child. This episode is part of our Unraveler series. In each Unraveler episode, a book creator takes us inside one of their books. Their inspirations, fears, frustrations, triumphs, epiphanies, the whole thing pulled apart. Unraveled. It's time to unravel the Don't Worry book. Um, My journey into writing was uh, purely through my artwork. Um, I never thought about writing because I had to repeat second grade because I had uh, dyslexia, ADHD probably, but none of that was diagnosed then. Um, But I did like to draw Snoopy, and it was the black outline, and I could draw Snoopy better than I could do anything. And um, I never really forgot that when I moved on, um, but I didn't think I was a good artist. My high school teacher said, I wouldn't advise you to pursue any school beyond this because you're not going to make it. And um, there was some sense of truth and and reality there, but also maybe some uh, disappointing news for someone with no confidence. It really affected me, so I didn't pursue it. I came back to it later in life, said, this is what I want to do. And I think looking at Keith Haring's stuff was an inspiration. I said, you can draw like a younger person and it's okay. And then I started putting my artwork on greeting cards and anything I could get it on. Clothing from Macy's and uh, decided to get an agent, licensing agent, to license my work, free me up. Um, I was just completely broke, run myself into the ground trying to do this. And um, exhibited at the licensing show in New York. And I had my original artwork. It was set up like a concept shop, uh, which would now be a pop-up now. And this is like 96, maybe 97. And I met my editor. Then she was walking the show for the first time, said, I saw your artwork from the end of the row. It caught my attention. Have you thought about writing children's books? I look at your greeting cards. They're square. You've got messages with art. And I said, no, I haven't. I barely made it through high school. I had to repeat second grade. I hate reading. I'm not a writer. And she said, I kind of think you're already doing it. What would you do? And I'm like, very naive. Oh, that would be cool. I don't know what I would do, but I just started organically speaking what I thought kids needed, and it was a lot of the messages, the messages that I wished I had when I was younger, um, and that's how it's okay to be different. Came out of that was my experience in second grade. Kids making fun of me for knowing that I couldn't read. The very first book signing was at FAO Schwartz in New York, and four little books out, and a family was like, "We're so happy to meet you. You know, do you have a child that illustrates your books?" And they were serious, and I'm like, "Oh, this is not good." This is not a good start. And then now I think that's exactly what draws kids into my work is they look at it. I don't even have to say anything. If they've got paper, they're like, hmm, I can draw like that. And now I embrace it because I think that's what engages them into the message because I write about things that are not easy to understand for four-year-olds, four to eight-year-olds, you know, like peace, love, the earth, 
uh, being different. What does that mean? Be who you are. They don't even know what an author is. So I think if, you know, I rely on my simplistic art style, the bold black lines, bright colors, unpredictability and humor, they'll listen to me and I engage them. And I think that's why I do good kid events because we have an engaging time the entire time. It's not be quiet, listen to me. You know, I want them to be part of it. And whatever they take away, they take away. So I kind of, I own that now. I'm proud of it. I'm no longer feeling embarrassed. Maybe a little of my work, like, oh, Todd, look at everything out there. This beautiful fine art and Caldecott's. And it's, you're never going to win any of that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but that's not what I'm writing. And I think for me, um, I, you know, I have a cool job. Everybody's like, oh, it'd be so fun to write kids' books. It is, but the difference for me is I get to write books that help make a difference in kids, and I see that around the world, that I'm actually helping them with their confidence, feel better about who they are, um, and probably help making them stronger people as they get older, and that is the win on top of the fun job I have. You know, the autism spectrum and the immediately almost I heard from families that are like, my son is autistic. He can't express his feelings. He doesn't know. And your books, for some reason, we can't figure it out, but your books. And so there's instances of that. Um, there's also, I think, the thing in the beginning is people said, what are these books? There's no characters. Are they picture books? Are they there's no bunnies, there's no pastels, and people were a little afraid of them. And then, you know, people were just wanting some sense of something that represented their families or them that made them feel normal. And so when the family book came out, it was like, yes, we're a single family. You know, we have just mom and and kids. And, and people just wanted to have that normalized. And, and it's okay to be different. Just very matter of fact. It's okay to have wheels. I didn't go into detail. Why is he in the wheelchair? As a, an adult or teacher, you can use that as a springboard. But it was just, for me, matter of fact with kids. Oh, it's okay to have wills. It's okay to be different and embrace your differences. And, I mean, it's 20 years plus into this. I have heard a lot, you know, and, uh, and I do know that it helps. You know, I hear a lot now, you've always been a little ahead of yourself with things. And unfortunately, the world is just caught up to me. You know, it's I'm still ahead, but people are now saying we need to talk to kids about these things. You know, kids are worried. You know, they're worrying. They're hearing things. They get their content now much sooner. And they're like, they're worrying. They're afraid to make mistakes. You know, they're hearing all this hate and we need to talk to kids instead of saying, oh, they're too young. They have no social emotional issues. Let's just sweep it under the carpet and let it go on as they get older. And I think it's never too soon to start helping kids feel good about who they are and learning about differences. I remember feeling different right as soon as I could think about it. I didn't fit in. I didn't want to wear the same clothes. Um, I was fascinated with things that 
maybe I shouldn't have been, you know, the typical things my dad tried. It's like, you're going hunting and, you know, and he shot a deer and I cried and embarrassed his friends. And he's like, you're never going hunting again. And so they were trying to mold me into this thing. And it wasn't just about sexuality or anything, because at five years, you don't know anything, but you do know that something's not. But I always had this vision to say, even with my friends as I got older, let's build an airplane like out of wood let's have this fantasy thing so I think the fantasy thing for me you know I stayed in my closet a lot which is odd when you think about it now but it was a safe spot for me and I could just pretend in there I would drive a car all these scenarios and imagination which I thought were normal and I think they are in kids but that's I think parents need to embrace their weirdness in their kids and let them and people ask my child doesn't want to fill in colors then don't they don't have to if they want to just do black lines that's their art let them just express themselves don't try and make them into something they don't want to be and i think that's what happened with me it was forced and if i had saw something a book that was like hmm it's okay to be different or be who you are or that's how i feel but for me maybe those books were dr seuss and that's ultimate obsession with those books when I was younger and it was my grandma who read to me and it was go dog go green eggs and ham over and over and um in the very beginning I didn't uh, review it was a Kansas City star and it said Shell Silverstein Dr. Seuss I found another Todd Parr and I'm like I'm sure both of them are just turning over <laughs> that I've been compared to them but I thought a lot about that, and I thought, you know what? You did pick up a lot from Dr. Seuss. It's simple lines. It's bright colors. It's few words. Um, I think that had a really profound impact on me, um, and that was the closest thing I got to reading, and it's because my grandma engaged me. She didn't just read to me. We would talk about the book every page, and that's what I try and do with kids, too. I had a very difficult childhood, um, as everybody, and it's called life. And uh, my mom died when I was young. Um, but leading up to it, there was all kinds of just stuff. And, you know, it makes you very insecure and codependent and weak and, and fearful that you can't attach yourself to anything because something's going to take it away because you live with the fear every single day that you know it's imminent that your mom is going to leave you. You know, years of it before it even happens. Somehow, you know, as a kid, you just this intuition. And I think it's really hard to uh, have a sense of n normalcy. So you make things up. And I would have been like, oh, I've got a BMW. I've got all this in my head because it would be a status of, oh, I've arrived, but I haven't. So I don't know. I think a high school Todd would be very blown away with the reality that sometimes in his head the wild crazy things became a reality because I didn't think they would then so I just had to embellish. Most of my ideas um, I used to wonder how long can I reinvent it's okay to be different and stay relevant. I used to really worry about what I was going to do and suddenly I just multiple ideas come. A lot of the ideas come from things that I've learned from things that I hear. Um, 
the Don't Worry book, I was a chronic worrier. I still am a worrier. And I grew up worrying because worrying was the only thing that got me through these difficult times. Because the more I worried, that gave me strength somehow. And, you know, even in the book, when we thought of the idea, I was talking to Megan about what our next ideas and there's a whole list. And it's like, what haven't we done? What should I do? What would be good for me? And I go worrying. Oh, my gosh. You know, and like, well, kids are worrying a lot more and people are talking about it. They're worried about everything. I go, hello. So, you know, the, the then I know the book's going to be about worrying. And for me, it's then figuring out the unpredictability of, of the words. And the words are the hardest part for me. Um, the art's the easiest. And then I rely on humor and unpredictability to help me deliver it. Because that's boring. Who wants to buy a book about don't worry? Just like the goodbye book. You don't want to buy a goodbye book because you don't want to say goodbye until you need it. Um, and... And and I think that's where my books have found a mainstream appeal now is that you no longer have to go to a self-help section in Borders to get the It's Okay to Be Different book. Um, you can go to the picture book area. And I think that's where, you know, that is, is the Don't Worry book is about worrying, but it is, I want it to be fun. I want parents to enjoy it. I want kids to enjoy it. So it can't just be a boring book about worrying. How can you make it unpredictable? Um so it's really that. The text is the hardest thing. I get really excited. I work on the book. I don't like homework. I don't like getting nervous. Like, am I not going to be able to do this? You know, and I even wrote a, a how I make a book thing. It's on my website for kids. And then I send it to my editor. She's like a teacher and have to wait and wait. And when I hear back, there are all kinds of changes. I make them back, send it back, comes back even more changes. That's okay. When I listen to my editor, it always makes my books better. And that is true. And, um, and people like fixate on their work. And I know my strengths. And words are not my strengths. So for me to say, hey, I'm this guy. These are my books. And it's going to be this way. I've never been like that. And I think you end up with the best possible thing if you trust in the people that do what they do best and let you do what you do best. I think why the world has somewhat caught up with me, and I'm going to stay ahead of it, um, but it's just, it's okay to talk about these things that are, and I think so much has happened in the world since I've started writing books. So many things that you can't turn your back on, you know, school, you know, mass shootings, you know, 9-11, it's like, you know, whatever your your politics are, and, and just, you know, civil rights and things that you think were getting better um are are not and i is it they're they're not getting better or is there, are we more aware of it are we like not turning our backs on it are we saying you know covering our kids eyes and ears and sending them on their way um turn the tv off well there's so many ways that kids now can find things out or hear things and you know kids hear things at home and they come and they talk about things and you know, that's a page in, you know, in the book is like, you might worry when you hear something bad. And it's just this kid, two kids talking about a, you know, a spaceship hovering above, you know, and it's the equivalent of something scary and bad. 
But um, it's just trying to think about why are people more aware of it? And, you know, and now with like four or five, six year olds, you know, you can read um, Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus, and, and which I love, or Dragons Love Tacos, which I love. But, you know, you can put in some of these things about helping messages to help them be better human beings. And I just think more and more people now it's out in the open and people aren't shying away from, yes, I'm a single mom and I've raised these kids and I want a book that represents. It's okay. My family is just as important as anyone else's. We don't have to feel like we're not a mom and a dad. Now I feel lesser than, or my kids feel, oh, you should be ashamed because we don't have a typical mom and dad. Whatever that is anyway, I grew up like that. I wanted to be everybody else's family but my own. Why can't we be like them? They're normal. And then you realize they weren't normal. They just did a better job of hiding it because I was obsessed with my situation. So I think it's a combination of everything. You know, the world just, internet, everything has brought things so much more in your face. Um, and all of the effects of everything that happens um, I think people are just saying, let's try and fix it. Let's try and help kids instead of saying, go along, go along. You don't need to hear this. We don't need to talk about this. You know, of course, some people are still like, you know that. I mean, there's got to be a way when you feel comfortable about how do you talk to your kids. But I think if somebody had talked to me about some things rather than just saying you can't do that or don't do that or never mind, maybe I would have learned. Every kid's author's got to be just a fun, you know, crazy, lovable person that loves kids hanging all over them, and that's not true. Um, and it takes us, you know, a certain person to get out, put yourself out there, and actually engage and entertain, you know, four, five, six, seven-year-olds, and keep keep them in control. Um, I think when they associate, I didn't know what an author was at Yellowstone Elementary in Rock Springs, Wyoming. We didn't have author appearances. Um, but I think when you connect that this person actually wrote this book and they're there and we're having fun. He's not telling him me all about him and how great he is. We're just having fun and I actually enjoyed that book. Um I think, you know, the fact that I'm able to do that and willing to do that, I think it just brings people closer. And when you write books like I do, too, the, the end message, love, Todd, you know, people want to know you're real, you know, and um, and also I think always and it wasn't a problem. But, you know, I've said to schools, a lot of times they're very nervous when they meet you for the first time. They don't know what kind of person you're going to be, you know, especially international stuff. They paid a lot of money and they're like, we love his work, but we've had bad experiences with people. And I go, wouldn't that be horrible if Todd Parr showed up and I was a rotten person? I go, that would be so disappointing. I go, so I stay true to who I am organically me. I speak from the heart. I just say how it is in my books, my social media me as a person, everything, stay true. And that's a safe zone for me, my appearances, everything. I'm not brilliant. I'm not, you know, like this magical thing. It's just staying true to who I am in every aspect. And then you don't mess up. You don't make mistakes. You just continue delivering it. And I think it impacts so many people. I, At this point, the amount of people that I hear from, you, you have to acknowledge it with somebody that doesn't have an ego and say, yes, you are. And I think for me, like after the goodbye book came out, 
Um, I got an email from someone that a library friend of hers had given her the goodbye book. She recently lost her husband of 55 years of marriage. And for the first time in a week, she was actually able to sleep after reading my comforting words and and had to extend her condolences to me because someone could not have written a book like that unless they'd experienced loss themselves. And I'm crying in the airport reading that. And I go, yes, this is why when people say, what age group do you write for? I say four to eight and adult, because sometimes adults just need a few words and simple pictures that are so much more powerful than a bunch of writing. And um, so I know it's helping. want kids to just be the best that they can be and it's so hard there's so many challenges that if I can know that I'm helping make a difference and I do feel I think the thing is is that I've gotten in touch with I have to take care of myself first I can't save the world I can't give every book away that I make I can't go around and do free visits all over. I've had to say, look, I have to take care of myself first. As long as I can do that, I can continue to help other people. And I think it's only right that we all do what we can do to help others. As minimal as it is, if it's me doing a book signing at the food bank to gain awareness for, you know, the San Francisco Marin Food Bank, it's little things like that. It's exposing my book. I'm not selling it, but it's helped raise awareness. And, um, you can't write books like I do and not be a model of what you do. Um, and I'm not perfect, you know, and people are like, what? He's doing these. Like, I remember him. He was like crazy. I can't believe he's even alive still. <laughs> so, My parents were good. Uh, they're human. They made a lot of mistakes. I'm sure they would would have loved to have take back a lot of decisions that they did, but they were good people. Everybody in my life was good, despite the dysfunction, despite all of the stuff that went on. At the, at the end of the day, they were role models. Maybe not the greatest, but as humans, they were people struggling with addiction and problems, things you don't understand that can happen to anyone. And they did their best. And I think that was the inspiration. And I think... Looking at everything I've been through, um, and again, nothing more tragic than anybody else's life, but looking at all the struggles that I've had and how hard I struggled with my art and just making it through school, um, and the, the 10 years after that I pursued my art that I was struggling, and all of the sadness, everything that happened, I have to say, if that's what had to happen to make me who I am today then I'm good. I'm good for who I am today. So I think my everything we do shapes us. And I think sometimes you're more traumatized and you can't move on. And I think for me, my thing is, is I'm still here. Life is for living. I want to live. I want to be happy. I want to do things. And I'm not going to give up. The end, love, Todd. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of The Yarn. Thank you, Todd Parr, for writing books that help readers feel good about who they are. Thank you to my co-host, Travis Yonker, for helping me produce this episode. Travis and I are both Michigan educators, and we recently began our summer vacations. Travis, I hope your summer is filled with lots of trips to Lake Michigan. And a special thank you to Philip Stead for creating our theme song. 
you have an idea for a season or episode of The Yarn, shoot us an email, theyarnpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Colby Sharp. Thanks for listening.